reality. Guess what? I think this is episode 39. Can you believe? Woo. Yeah, episode 39 of Dope Nostalgia. That's pretty sweet. We're getting close to episode 50, and I kind of figured it out. Uh, episode 50 is going to land right around Christmas. Yeah. So we're already starting to think about what we're going to do for the end of the year show, um, as well as a Christmas show. I want to do a show about a, all the Christmas albums that came out in the 90s. So that's an idea. If you guys have any ideas of what you want to see happen for our anniversary show, as well as our Christmas show, just drop us a line, dopenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. My guest today, his name is Roger Ortega. He was very instrumental in a lot of cool things that happened in the 90s, and uh, he had a lot of good stories to tell about his time back then, getting to know Color Me Bad, and all the music he was making at the time, and he was in a boy band, and all his great stories from back in the day. So let's welcome Roger Ortega, but first, Wikipedia Moments. Roger Ortega is a Spotify verified independent recording artist and voting member of the National Recording Academy, which grants him the opportunity to vote for the Grammys. Roger, also known as Roe, or R&B pop writer, was born and raised in Topeka, Kansas, and now resides in New Jersey with his wife and two daughters. Showcasing his love for R&B pop music, he released his first album, R&B Pop Writer, in 2012 at the age of 38. Now, that's I was expecting him to release this album a lot earlier, but he'll tell you the story. The album reached number 62 in the iTunes R&B Soul Charts. After touring in support of R&B pop writer, R.O. Roger made a big splash with his sophomore follow-up, The Lottery, when he was 42 years of age. That album not only reached number 8 on iTunes, but it solidified his membership as a voting member of the National Recording Academy. Roger has a loyal fan base that travels well to see him. Roger took that to the next level. Instead of just having his fans travel to see him, he decided he would have them travel with him. He had his first ever Roger Ortega cruise in March of 2019 aboard the Norwegian Escape. The cruise went so well that he's doing Roger Ortega or Row Row Cruise 2 Encore in the fall of 2020. Well, that was the plan anyway. Yeah, he'll tell you all about it. So Roger has had the opportunity to perform at many events in New York City, New Jersey, Florida, Missouri, Kansas, New Mexico, even Toronto. He sold out the cutting room in New York City and the 6th Avenue Ballroom in Topeka. He's headlined one of the largest festivals in Kansas twice now. Roger has opened for acts such as Jay-Z, Color Me Bad, Aaron Carter, and O-Town to name a few, and has shared the stage with the Funky Bunch. Roger's music has also crossed over to freestyle audiences as well, performing with freestyle artists such as TKA, Judy Torres, and George Lamond. You can check him out at rogerortega.com, and ladies and gentlemen, this is Roger. Welcome to the show. Rogers, it's a pleasure to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here. Do you mind if I get a picture of us real quick? Is that okay? Sure, go for it. All right. Yeah. All right, I'm to get the <laughs> camera out of the picture, but I don't think I can. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Oh, thank you for having That's me. That's awesome. I'm very interested to learn about what you've been up to recently as well as your time in the 90s as we're a dope nostalgia and we're really dedicated to that era. I love um, I love that. It's a great era and I love that that's what you do. It's, it's amazing. I love it. So I'm really happy oh. to be here. <laughs> Sweet. Now, I've been reading up on your bio and it mentioned that in 2012, you put out your very first solo album. I did. I did. I put out an album called R&B Pop Writer. And that was uh, kind of the thing that, that got me really going again. Um, 
you know, and we'll talk about my past and everything, but I took a big break from like the age of 24 to like 36, like just thought I was too old for this. And it turns out that there's a demographic there that appreciates uh, my music and um, has given me new life and allowed me to fulfill my dreams. So I'm very, very blessed. And that was the album that started it all. That's why I was wondering um, why you would have waited so long to release your debut. So what, what were the obstacles there for you? Uh, mental, like meaning that, the, and just, um, I was very self-conscious. Um, I was, uh, God, I was a lot heavier too after around 24. Um, I wasn't in very good shape, but more than that, it was the age thing. I thought at the age of 24, that I was too young or too old for the business. Oh. And uh, <laughs> isn't that crazy? It's so sad. It's so sad. I look back and I think about all the years that I missed, but I believe everything happens for a reason. And uh, that's, you know, what happened with me. I thought I was too old. I didn't feel good about myself. I, I did not like the way that I looked. I didn't like the way that I didn't like the way that I sang. I, you know, I was in, in our, my, you know, a boy band, an R&B pop group. And I felt like I was the weakest singer in the group and I never in a million years thought that I would have a solo career. And it was all in my head, you know? And of course, you know, you have to practice and, and get better. And, and, and I, I like to think that I did, um, but, mm -hmm. um, but it was all in my head. And I, I thought I'm just too old, I'm 24, maybe it's time to, to start settling into life and get a job and, and be a grown up. And I stayed that way for, you know, 10, 12 years, but I kept writing. I kept writing mm -hmm. just for fun though, just because, you know, when you're creative, you have to, you have to have an outlet. And uh, it turns out, uh, you know, a friend of mine heard some of my songs and said, Hey, I know these guys, they have a studio, you know, you should go meet with them. Uh, you know, they have their own record label. And I was like, no, you know, I'm done with that part of my life. Like I'm, I'm moving on to being the dad now, you know, and all that. Mm -hmm. And finally he convinced me to go. And I met with these guys at a, a record company called Menakees Records. And they, um, the, they heard my stuff. They said, man, you know, you're sitting on a gold mine. And I thought, and I told them, I said, you know, my wife says that, but she's my wife. She's supposed to say that, right? And um, they said, no, we'd like to sign you as a writer. So I signed up as a writer. And eventually um, they offered me a record deal. And I turned it down initially, again, just because I was like, people are not going to take me seriously. And, and I don't want to be laughed at being a 37, 36-year-old you know, R&B pop singer. And um, finally, I was like, you know, this is the opportunity that I've been working my whole life for. I, this was my dream. Let's, you've got an opportunity right here in front of you. Take it. And, and what's the worst that happened? Mm. You get laughed at, you know, but uh, here I am. And I'm sure people are laughing anyway, <laughs> but now I'm laughing. Too, no. it's, all good. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing how we let others perception of us stop us from doing what we love. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I feel like I've also been in the same where you waste so much time worried about what other people think when it just in the end of the day doesn't matter. Right. But look at you now, you've been able to come forward and, and shine with that. So I'm really excited to talk to you about where it all started as well. Um, your experiences in music in the 90s, where did it begin? Well, I actually started in the late 80s. Um, when I was 14, I started my own pop yeah. group. And uh, it was me and my cousin and a neighborhood friend. And, uh, you know, we weren't very good, but, but we were, to us, we were, you know. But looking back, I'm like, oh, God, we were horrible. Why would anybody ever let us on stage? But I got to thank my family for that because we got our start 
doing my dad my he passed away a few years ago but the band him and my uncles had a band and the band still plays actually uh and they would let us perform at their intermissions and that's when we started kind of like you know building up our little fan base and we'd have all the little girls running up to the front of the stage and it was such a great time but we didn't focus a lot on the um the honing of the craft like we were more just I guess we were we just didn't know it you know we were learning stage presence and and we didn't focus on the singing as much because we didn't know that we couldn't sing that well we thought we could we were doing just fine until you go back and look at that but then eventually as 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 the group you know grew um my my drive just kept going I wanted to take this more seriously and the other guys didn't as much and so we you know members came and went or whatever until we solidified the the final group uh, which was called mm -hmm. slow motion and that group really took off for us in the 90s and um it that's why i'll always look back at that as you know one of my favorite times in my life was just being with those guys and and traveling and all the inside jokes all the fights and the now we look back and we laugh at some of these fights and and it uh, you know, it, it's, it's great. You know, I'm still best friends with these guys. You know, we've been broken up now since, you know, just after 2000, I think something like that. Um, we moved out here from Kansas uh, back in 98. But uh, what a time. What a time. The 90s were great. Where are you now located? I live in New Jersey now. So I'm out in East Jersey. Jersey. Yes. What about you? Are you in Jersey? I'm in Edmonton, Canada. Oh, okay. So you're Canadian. All right. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm over on the other side of actually we're closer to the West Coast. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Well that's great. I've only been in I've been in Newark Airport. That's about oh, it. Okay. Well, <laughs> it was, you know what's funny? New Jersey gets a bad rap. And I hated it when I first got here. I really did. Um, but it, you know, we had we had our, our production deal, so I couldn't go back to Kansas. That's why we moved out here. And oh. uh but over the last, God, it's taken me a while to really explore the state, but I have, and it's absolutely beautiful. There is so much more to Jersey than what people say, and, and I, I, I really love it here. I was speaking to the boys from the group Riff last oh, week, yeah. and they were telling me all about the sites and the things, all the places you can eat in Jersey that are amazing, yeah. and like beautiful spots like the Great Falls. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah it's yeah. such a, I mean, and even, you know, you hear, you, what people see about the Jersey Shore, uh, it's kind of, kind of gets a bad rap because of the show, you know, um, but it's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. And um, I've been really blessed to be able to experience that, especially being from Kansas. You know, I would tell my daughters, like, you know, your cousins, if they want to go to a beach, they have to fly somewhere. We just have to drive down about an hour, you know, if that. Yeah. So, so I really love it. But being on the coast is great. Hey? Yeah, it certainly is. So slow motion, you guys were together throughout the entire 90s then, throughout the entire decade pretty, pretty much? much. Is yeah, no, absolutely, we were. Um, you know, we we really kind of got our footing, you know, there was, a, so the, the Mex Mix was the original group with me and my cousin, and then we brought in another member. One of the members um, was this guy that I went to high school with, and his name was Billy Davis, and an amazing singer. And I used to come back on the weekends, and every Monday he'd hit me up, so what'd you guys do this weekend? Where'd you perform, you know? And he kept saying, you know, dropping hints that he wanted to, to be in the group. So finally, I picked up on it. And I said, hey, man, why don't you come audition? You know, I'm sure the guys would love to have you. 
and my cousin and my, my friend Adrian, they were like, nah, there's, it's three of us, there's fine, we don't need anybody else. And I was like, just let him sing for you. So he came to practice and they were like, they sat back, they're like, okay, all right, go ahead and sing. You know, really reluctant to, to have him do this. And as soon as he opened his mouth, he sang, um, I think it was, I Wanna Rock With You by Bobby Brown. And, um, and he sang it and it, like immediately their mouths dropped and they were like, he's in, he's in. And so that went, once Billy got in the group was when we really started kind of focusing on vocals and everything like that. And then we went through what I call our puberty stage where we were kind of doing awkward doo-wop, you know, R&B songs, like we're writing really bad music, but we were honing our craft. And eventually, again, through some members changing, um, we got to that group and that place that we needed to be. And once we had that, that group together, um, the chemistry was there as brothers, uh, the chemistry was there as performers and, and songwriters and musicians, and uh, we knew that was, that was the way to go. How did you work out the harmonies? Was harmonies a difficult thing to take on? No, and that's what was cool about this group is, is Billy always kind of, we always had him be the anchor for, for the melody on, on, these, on our choruses and whatnot. I've always had like a, a lighter, lighter timbre to my voice, so I would automatically take the the top, the, the falsetto, you know, the, the top harmony. And then Irvin, um, who was the last to come into the group, was, was more of a baritone bass, so he just naturally fit there. And then there was Dave, who was actually a trombone player in my dad's band. He who was just a young kid playing, a young white kid playing Mexican music with his trombone. Um, and Dave always sang the part, we always called it whack. <laughs> we just said using because it was always, Billy would arrange these harmonies and there'd be sevenths and ninths and stuff. And sometimes it'd sound really dissonant, but it was perfect for the chord. And so we always called, said Dave always sang whack. That's the, he sang the whack part. <laughs> but yeah. What was one of the most memorable performances you had in those days? I'm going to say, um, God, there's, there's so many, but, but there's a couple. Uh, I'll start with, with the Culinary Bad, the first time we performed with Culinary Bad. Uh, they, uh, we had met them at a show. God, they were doing something in Kansas City, and we were supposed to, we were actually supposed to open up for them, like, I think a month or two in the future at that point. And so, but then the venue stopped calling us back. Like they, they just stopped calling us. So we were like, let's go talk to Culinary Bad. Let's try to meet them and see if we can, you know, uh, get them to pull some strings or whatever because nobody's calling us back now and our name of our group was slow motion which is a song on i want to love you yeah i know yep. it's such a good tune yeah. such a good we tune. got it from them because they were my favorite group they were my favorite group yeah and um i remember thinking like god well what if they meet us and, and they don't like us and they, they sue us you know we don't we got to change our name so we went to go to this radio promotion concert they were doing with like um who, what, Tony Rich, I think it was, and um, some other 90s artists. And, I, and I, all the names escape me right now. LaBouche, you know, um, a lot yeah. of those guys. And it was a free concert, so we found out about it late. We got there, and the line to get in was just long. They hadn't opened the doors yet. So we formulated this plan. Listen, let's spread out, tell girls we're singers, we'll sing for them, and as they're applauding us we'll just inch up forward in line so we must have sang like seven or eight times but we got up to the front and um i remember watching color me bad come out and i mean it was like a dream come true because i love those guys again 
Um, and I think we gave Brian our demo from the stage, from the, from the audience. He put it in his pocket or whatever. Brian's a lead singer. And um, we were like, after they were done, we were like, well, how does this work? Do they stick around and watch all the other groups or do they leave? And I'm like, you know, I'll bet you they leave. So let's all go outside, see if we can find them exiting the building. We found their limo. They come walking up and I swear it was in slow motion and the wind was blowing and their hair was flowing. And it, it was just, it, it was like something out of a movie to us. Like they come walking up and it, I swear they were just walking real slow. And they're smiling, really humble guys. And so, you know, we told them they did a great show. They were like, um, they were like, okay, cool. You know, thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, then it was just this awkward silence for about, I don't know, maybe 10 seconds, but it felt like an eternity. And so I was like, um uh, we're a group <laughs> and, and uh, <laughs> Sam uh was like he goes yeah I kind of figured that you know the way you guys are all hanging so tight and we were like well can we sing for you we said sure so they all sat back on the limo and we did an original song uh, acapella and their mouths dropped and they're like do you guys have management like like who's working with you what's your name and so we gave them our little card and it said slow motion and you could see them kind of look at each other. Like, uh -uh. <laughs> and them being from the Midwest too, we had a lot in common. They were a multicultural group. We were a multicultural group, the Midwest, similar sounds and whatnot. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, we were like, that's awesome. So that made our night. And then Brian called us about 45 minutes later. We actually paged us because we had pagers back then, right? Yeah. And so we were like, oh, we got a page from we didn't know the number so we went and it was a voicemail from brian you know he sang some riff or something's like yo y'all are fresh i don't know if you have management but we really want to work with you guys so then a few days go by and um kt from color me bad uh called us and uh he's like hey we're doing a show in kansas this weekend if you guys want to come out you know just just hang out with us and we were like sure so we went out there and um, we got to hang with them all day, go through the sound check. And we just, if this was all new to us, like, you know, we'd never done anything on this scale before. And uh, uh, he's like, okay, the show's going to start. He goes, where do you guys want to sit? Do you guys want to sit out in the crowd? Do you want to sit off to the side of the stage? Or do you want to sit behind the drummer, you know, uh, so you guys, you know, can be up there, you know, with us. And we we're like, uh, yeah, well, we want to be behind the drummer. Of course, we want to see what it's like to look out and see all those people. And, uh, and he was like, okay, cool. So we're standing there and they did a song that they had called uh, Sexual Capacity. And um, mm. it was off the Striptease soundtrack. I love that song. It was actually written by um, Robin Thicke um, as well. Yeah. And so anyway, they did the song and then Brian started talking about their upcoming, their, their upbringing and their, their, their big break and how, you know, they met Jump Bon Jovi and, and performed for him at the movie theater and, and they told, you know, mentioned Cool in the Gang and then how that helped, they helped them. And he said, now we're going to give someone a chance. They're like, ladies and gentlemen, slow motion. And we were like, shit, that's us. That's us. Go, go. What are we going to do? I don't know. I don't know. Just get out there. <laughs> and so we got out there and we sang, you know, the song that we sang for them is called Riding the Wrong Way um, to Love Somebody. And um, the crowd went nuts and we were like, holy crap. And then we ended up doing more shows with them after that. And that was really cool. They were so, so good to us. I still talk to, to uh, Brian, uh, KT and Mark. I, I never really talked mm -hmm. to Sam too much, um, but he, he's out in the West Coast somewhere doing his thing, you know, so.
Yeah, I believe he's still writing yeah. and producing and doing that kind of thing. And we had Mark on the show. Mark joined us for one of the very first episodes and telling me the story about Bon Jovi in the movie theater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so as soon as I, I, I was just like, when you're telling your story, I'm just so glad that they extended that same love to you guys that they, they received were, as well. They were absolutely you know? great. Yeah, and and I, I remember Mark telling me, man, he goes, I just like your energy. He's like, you, he goes, because you're just just like you guys are such good people, you know? And uh, it's funny because I used to like, I used to call KT because we, we became, KT and I became really close. Um, and Mark and I eventually did as well. Uh, but I used to call KT and I'd be like, hey, what's up, Kev? And he'd be like, oh, hey, what's up, Mark? And because Mark and I have a similar tone in our voice when we're, when we're you know, when we're singing, yeah. when we're talking, you know, and just the, the way we, the energy in our voice, you know? And, um, so I'm like, oh, nothing, blah, blah, blah. So I'd play him for a few minutes, you know, and then I'd, then I'd be like, man, this is Roger. And he's like, oh, man, you got me again, you know? So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, great times with those guys. Great times. No kidding. I'm so happy to hear that story. Yeah. Um, I was a big fan of them as well. So it was cool because I got to see them when they opened for Paula Abdul on the Spellbound tour. That was the first time I saw them live. Yeah. And I was, that oh, whole tour was like, I've got a. Yeah, I remember them coming out. I think they did Roll the Dice was the first song they did because I was a huge fan before that show. And um, mm -hmm. I remember I went with my friend Billy, who was in the group. We loaded up our jackets with demo tapes. I don't know what we were thinking. If we were going to throw them at the stage or what. But we had, our, <laughs> we had demos in our pockets and we're walking around before the show. And this guy standing next was kind of dressed like Color Me Bad, you know, and um, like in that style. And I was like, wow, this guy's a real big fan. Like, come on, dude, whatever, you know? And so we were just kind of, we played him a little bit. And um, then when the show starts, Mark's like, all right. He goes, I want to introduce my brother, Ernie. And Ernie comes out and dances. And Ernie was that guy that we were sitting next to. Dude. And we were like, <laughs> we could have given Ernie our demo. And so I told Ernie this story years later and, uh, and Mark as well. But uh, we were we could have kicked ourselves for years. Like we could he could have just given him our demo, you know, back then. Hey, but, things worked out the way they did for a reason. It's wonderful. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. It seemed like yesterday. You were like a dream come true. Just wanted to be with you. Sun kissed white dress. Knew I had to have you. That will never ever be the same. Can't think of summer and I see your face. Wouldn't have it any other way. Brown eyes, big smile. Really had to have you. Like June started heating up. By July we couldn't get enough. August came, started getting rough. Cause we knew the end was nearby. How many nights did you miss me? I always find my way back. Like the first time you kissed me I wish we could make this last But as the sun goes up and it comes back down There will not be another Just the way that it was last time We said goodbye to summer Yeah, yeah, yeah Where has your music career allowed you to travel to and what are some of the great uh, places and countries you performed in? Well, you know, as far as countries, Canada. I mean, is there a better country? Woo! You know, I, for, uh -oh. for, a while, <laughs> for a while, Toronto was my second home. Um, I, yeah. I just, I love it there. I was actually supposed to go back up there 
right before the pandemic hit to do some more writing and recording. And the mm -hmm. day before uh, everything shut down, you know, the producers and I talked and we decided, you know, let's hold off and see where this goes. And it's probably a good thing we did because I might have been stuck in Canada, which wouldn't have been a bad thing for me, but I don't know how my wife and kids would have felt about that, you know? Right. Um, but Canada has always been a, a special place to me. Um, Florida, Miami is cool. Um, I've gotten, haven't gotten as far out as California yet. The furthest west I've been was um, New Mexico. And uh, I did a show, mm -hmm. a couple shows out there over the last few years. And I absolutely, I fell in love with this place called Las Cruces, New Mexico. It's just like this desert city. It was just, it was, it, I mean, I'm sure the fact that my wife went with me, which she doesn't typically travel with me, but she went with me and we just had an amazing time. And I fell in love with that city. And I think part of that has to do with her, with being with her, you know, so I'm a little biased, yeah. but um, I was really trying to get out to California this year. This was the year I was going to get out to LA and, you know, it's going to have to be postponed a little bit longer. This, this stuff happened. Exactly. Yeah. How have you and your family been doing through all of this? Uh, amazing. Amazing. I, yeah. I've enjoyed it, thoroughly enjoyed bonding with my girls. My, you know, I have a 16 year old and a seven year old. Uh, and it's a little bit tougher on my wife and I, because they're both home all the time. And my wife is really the center of the universe in this house. So the cats go to her. The girls go to her. We have a new dog and it wasn't long before the dog started shadowing her and she just can't get a break. So I'm just kind of like, I'll hang back and I'll see you when we go to bed. Even though we're home all day, you know, we, we don't, we won't get a chance to talk and we, we have such a great relationship and, you know, we understand that. And, you know, we've been blessed to, to become even tighter, as tight as we all were before we're a much tighter unit now through all of this. Whereas in some cases, you know, it may be the opposite for people. They, they're spending too much time with, with these people and they don't get along. And we, we get along fairly well, like as far as a family, like my wife and I mm -hmm. get along perfectly. My 16 year old and I, we, we butt heads, you know, but that's what happens with teenage daughters, you know. That's that age, yeah, so, exactly. But of course it's always over like that. And, you know, we, we deal with it and, and she's, she's good. So I'm, I'm really blessed to have good kids. Absolutely. Yeah, no, this has been trying times and really put a test on people's uh, ability to bond with their family or their loved ones. So yeah, think, absolutely. I'm glad things are going well. So, you know, one of the things that my wife's home, she's like, I realize how busy you are. You know, she's like, you don't stop. There's always something I'm working on, um, whether it be music, um, songwriting, or I, I just, I decided to learn how to play piano during the pandemic. And um, I spend a lot of time up here, um, just, just noodling around and playing. Um, then there's, there's, you know, my fitness journey, which is, has been going on like overdrive for the last few years and, um, and other things that are going on in my life that I just don't stop. I just, I, I don't know. I feel th there are times today I had to slow down and take a nap. I did have to take a nap today because I'm doing the um, the Sunday night, I do a Sunday night show called Sunday Night uh, Soft Rock with RO. And that's a silly oh. show. It's a, it's a fun show. It's, it's a silly show. We don't really play a lot of music. We just, it's in the title. So well, the music's kind of in the background, but we have bits and we, we have like, we give away, brace yourself here. Every week we give away 100 pennies. Every week we give away a whole dollar. What's a penny? What's a penny? Yeah. We don't have them in Canada, oh my gosh. actually. It's, so basically, it's a whole, we give away a dollar. <laughs> I, 
I'm kidding. I'm, we actually did get rid of the penny, though. We had, I think it was about five years ago. So now we just round up and down the amounts. Oh, wow. See, I, I have one roll of pennies left. Oh, wow. As I've heard rumors yeah. of that happening here for years. But we'll continue to give out 100 pennies uh, until they take them away from us. <laughs> I love that. Where can we see the show? It's on Instagram Live every Sunday at 10 p.m. Eastern. And I'm telling you, people don't really know what the show is until they watch it. And then they're like, when you do watch it, you get hooked. You get hooked. You're like, you, you look forward to the Cash Kazoo, which is where I play like a song from a TV show, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. They got to guess that. Whoever wins gets the 100 pennies. Um, we do a would you rather segment and why. And it's always great to have the guest interaction. Um, but one of the things they really like too is we do requests and dedications from obviously real people. And what that is, is I usually take a movie and I'll write, I'll take a character in the movie and that character will write a letter to us saying, this is my story, you know, and, and um, you know, I'd like you to play this song. And they like to hear the movie and guess what movie it is, you know. I think this one we did, The Three Amigos, last week. And so <gasps> they wrote into us. And, uh, and it was really cool. We had Chewbacca come on one time and we, we <laughs> had his sounds playing. And I was having a conversation with Chewbacca and he revealed, he dropped the big bombshell that he'd been having an affair with Princess Leia. So you never know what you're gonna find out on Sunday Night Soft Rock with R.O. <laughs> so. We'll make sure, I'll make sure I'll share all the links on the social media oh, so that yeah. uh, people can check it yes. out. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. It is, it is. So what do you think the youth from today, especially the, the, the musicians of today who are, are working, what can they learn from the 90s past music? Um, you know what, I think that one thing that gets lost in today's music that they did pretty well in the 90s were B sections and bridges. There's not a lot yeah. of changes in, in music anymore like that. It's usually just the loop and I'm guilty of it now too, you know, um, but I'm trying to write more songs that, that have bridges and, and B sections, trying not to sound, you know, back like in the 90s so you know so it's, it's a little tough because that is a very 90s thing 80s and 90s use a lot of b sections and bridges and key changes and i was about to say modulate yeah. yeah they always they used to go i used i love the key change yeah it's it's one of my favorite and, things and uh is it is it on bended knee by yeah, boys to men that does it twice <laughs> it's like yeah it's, <laughs> or three times can you tell me can you tell me can you tell me? how are they doing that okay but yeah 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 but yeah they 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 killed it with that but um, it's, it, that's, that's what I think some of the musicianship, um, you know, is, is, is missing from today. Because a lot of it's all digital, pluck, 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 yeah. go, you know, and um, bridges and key changes and B sections. That's what's missing. The sense of melody is different. Yes. A lot of the melodies are, are just straight with a couple note drops, couple note drops, and, and that's what it is, you know. And mm -hmm. I've, I even, I've tried to write like that, and it's, it's hard to sing like that, I think. To me, it's hard to sing like that. Because I- I find it boring. Yeah, I like to be all over the place, you know? Um, but it's, uh, it's definitely different. But I mean, you know, I'm not gonna talk bad about it because- No, you know, our no parents, that's true. You know, probably thought the same thing about, you know, our music, you know, what's going on? I've always wondered if it's just me aging and going, oh, our music was better not back in our day, you know, or if it's, like because the kids really embrace what they're listening to now and they're going to feel the same way when they're in their 30s 40s yes 
And it's, I'm wondering, like, how much simpler is music going to get by the time these guys are in their 30s and 40s? It's just going to be, you know, because in some cases, you've got songs out there that only have a verse and a chorus. Um, I can't remember that guy's name. It was a big hit, too. And he was a singer-rapper. And the song mm -hmm. was a great song. But I remember when it ended, I was like, wait, did I miss something? I went back and I played it. It was like a minute and a half, two-minute song. And so... I mean, I guess you're trying to keep people's attention and their attention spans are getting shorter and shorter, but but yeah. if you keep them interested and engaged, they're going to stay with you, you know, so. I think so. I think when you, when you have that appeal that you'll, you'll get them to listen longer than three and a half minutes. Right. And I mean, that's the thing is even just in the last 20 years, everything's been shortened to radio format, which is 3.30. And if your song's longer than that, you probably won't get played if you don't have a radio edit. Right. Well, that's probably changing in the era of TikTok and everything's just like you said, completely condensed. Right. It absolutely is. And, you know, again, I, I try to keep my songs short as well. And, but I still mm -hmm. try to allow for, for some bridges and whatnot um, when I can, I guess if the song calls for it, but um, mm -hmm. I, I don't know, hopefully they come back because I, I love those changes. I love those. Changes. Me too. I'm in agreement. <laughs> Did you get, did you get involved with using the internet when it was first coming out in the early night, like mid, maybe about mid nineties, I think is when it barely, was kind of becoming a thing. Barely. And, yeah. and, and I think, you know, we were talking, I actually had an impromptu phone call with the group slow motion about three or four weeks ago. And um, I called one and we were on the phone for a little bit. I was like, you know, let me, let's call Dave, see what Dave's doing. And then I was like, let's try to get urban in. And so they got on and we were talking about that. We're like, man, like if we'd have had social media back then, it, things may have turned out differently for us because it's hard enough being, um, you know, not having an outlet, you know, and, and then, you know, you throw on top of it, the social media, it, it's free promotion. Mm -hmm. it, it really is. And if you had four of us, all pushing as hard as we were pushing ourselves in rehearsals and in, you know recording sessions, I, I think we would have done fairly well uh, as as a group back in the '90s with social media. And I'm sure that can be said about a lot of people, but I always felt like we were just as good as a lot of those groups out there that were on the radio. And uh, you know, I'm not going to name names or anything, you know, but um, but I felt like we were we had quality music and, and songwriting. We just needed uh, the production and and the uh, promotion, the, the, the machine behind us, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but we were barely touching the internet when it first came out. In fact, when we first moved up here in 98, the four of us moved up and then our choreographer moved up a few months later and he had a computer and he was the one that really introduced us to, you know, the internet and all that and how email and everything. And mm. I remember it was a dial up, right? So you, you had to have a phone line and we would come home and we knew that he would be on the computer and he would just be on it all night. So we would call home and disconnect him right before we walked in. And he'd be like, for, we just told him this a few years ago. And he was like, I wondered, he goes, I was always like, how come the computer, the internet always disconnects right before you guys get home? Because I never put it together. Um, but that was be like email or girlfriends or do whatever, you know, but we didn't take advantage of it the way we should have because we didn't know any better at that point. Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of people thought it was a fad. Even Prince said that the internet's a fad. Yeah. But he said... But he said that kind of late into the game. Yeah. But he still thought it was just a trend. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But if you listen to the intro to this show, that sound you hear is actually the sound of the dial-up modem connecting. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are probably like, what is that? No, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. I know. Trying to be- what? Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was going to didn't mean to cut you off. Trying to explain some of these things to 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 my kids, you know, like I didn't have a phone until like maybe mid to late '90s, and it was a big old thing, you know. So, oh yeah, they, they don't get it. No, and there was the pagers, definitely, like you discussed earlier. I I did definitely have a pager, yeah, yeah. way before a cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> have you always been a natural performer, or did you go through stage fright, or? How did you, how do you feel on stage? I always have stage fright to this day, right before I go out there. Always, always. Mm -hmm. Even when I'm doing my silly show on Sunday nights or what I also do this Wednesday night online wine and karaoke thing that I host. (gasps) And um, it's so fun. We just did our, our, we took a hiatus this summer. We just did our first one back last night and, um, and it's great. But all day long, I'm like, I'm convincing myself, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. I'm done. And then the light goes on and I'm like, hey, and I'm like, oh, I'm so happy I did it. I I never want to stop these, you know, but all day long, even on Sundays for my show with no pressure, there's no pressure on that show because I do whatever I want. And, but I'm always like, "Ah, I think this is the last one. I don't want to do it anymore. And then the light comes on. Um, But it happens with, with performing. Definitely. You know, I get the butterflies and I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And then I get on stage and I'm like, oh, so happy I did that. <laughs> but I've, <laughs> I've wanted to do this since I can remember. Uh, and and I, I literally mean that. I've always wanted to be on stage and I've always wanted to be a performer. Michael Jackson once said he could sleep on stage. And I, I completely uh. feel that. And, and I feel that way because I feel at home on the stage. And it's, um, okay. it's a special place to be. It really is because it's an escape not only for the audience, but it's an escape for me. Uh, to me, a lot of times I, I get to have that connection with fans that I was dreaming of when I used to hold a hairbrush and sing into the mirror when I was a kid doing George Michael songs, you know, or Wham songs. And, and I was just like, it, it's a dream come true every single time I get to, to perform in front of anyone. So I think I'm a natural born performer um, mm-hmm. and entertainer which is why I think I, I have so much fun with my, my shows outside of music, you know, because I'm just, I'm entertaining and I'm engaging and I'm making people happy. And I, I just love that. That's a beautiful thing. And I'm so glad that you embrace it too. And especially now, cause it took you a while to feel confident to do it. So I'm glad you're doing it for us here. Now, who did you obviously color me bad, but who else did you get to meet in the business that taught you the most? Um, Donnie Wahlberg, actually. This was later. This is like in the last 10 years. Um, One of the Mm -hmm. things I learned from Donnie was how to really make your fans feel like they're the most important person in that moment. Uh, Like there's nobody else that exists in that moment, whether it's two or three words with that person or a conversation with them. They're the most important person. Um, I'll make this long story short here. He did a, Jordan Knight had a song come out several years ago called Stingy and Donnie was on that mm-hmm. song. So they did a video release party and I went to it with, there was a bunch of fans there and I handed Donnie my demo. This is right when I was getting back into music and um, he put it in his pocket and went, we went into a movie theater because that's where it was. Well, Jordan was performing the song 
the movie theater was packed full of women. I think there were literally like two or three guys there and I was one of them. And <laughs> um, before it was over, while Jordan was performing towards the end of the whole thing, J Donnie was going through each row, hugging every single person and thanking every single person that came. And when he got to me, we did the, the bro hug and he put up his finger like, wait, pulled out my demo, put it back in his pocket and winked at me and, you know, walked off. And I thought, even if that man never listens to it, um, he made me feel important and special and I'll never forget that. And mm -hmm. uh, it's funny, I actually was on a Zoom with him two weeks ago because I wrote a song called Spread Love that used some of his lyrics as well. So, so he, he unknowingly co-wrote that song until he heard it and then he's really proud of it uh, and loved it. But we were talking about this story, you know, and I kept calling it a shitty demo. I was like, yeah, this is a shitty demo. And, and after a while, he's like, you know, he goes, I got to say, Roger, he goes, he's, I'm not calling it a shitty demo. You're the one saying it was a shitty demo, you know? And I'm like, you know, he's right. But what a, what a guy, what a guy. He has such an incredible energy. And it's funny because when <laughs> in their heyday, he was the badass of the group. Like everybody's like, oh, Donnie's so bad, but he's like such a lovely human. Such a sweetheart, such a sweetheart, really down to earth guy. Mm -hmm. So that, that's yeah. who's probably had the most influence on me outside of Color Me Bad. We stop the tears from falling from so many broken hearts when those tears that fall could fill a world of oceans it seems we're lost don't know where to start but if you look inside your mind you could just leave it all behind and if you reach inside your You can't feel your world with hate, but you'd be better off instead. Spread love, and love will spread. goals are lying ahead for you now as we're coming out of uh, 2020 and into the future what do you uh, intend to do I want to get better at piano I want to be able to perform and play in front of people you know that's something so I want to be able to sing and play together um, that's just a personal goal professional uh, I definitely want to to get out some some more music like um, I, I want to get touring again I want to get out and do shows so uh, I'm hoping things pass quickly with all of this, you know, cause it's been too long since I've been out there and you know, you can't, uh, it, it's harder and harder to make money off of just selling music now because of streaming, you know, streaming has, has really cut into, you know, us artists, uh, paychecks, you know, uh, we don't get, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, it's great because you have the acts, everybody has access to it, but you know, you're not making as much as you were before. So hopefully doing shows. True. Hopefully we get out there and do some shows. I'm I'm hoping that I can do another cruise. We had a cruise that was set up to leave in October, 
and it was the RO cruise. Um, it was going to be our second one, and I was so excited about it, but unfortunately, we had to cancel it. So I'll be trying to look into when we can do the next one. So those are some future things down the road. But I'm excited for these things for you. And I also, uh, if you come up to Canada, I'm going to get you get you hooked up here so you can play uh, one of our venues. I would love that. Oh, I would love love that. that. I would absolutely love that. I've never been to that coast of, uh, of Canada. So beautiful. Yeah, that's what I hear. Come see the come see the Rockies. Oh, Just, wow. I would love to. I would love to. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today. I want to end it on a little bit of um, a fun little thing where it's like you have to pick which two of the two that I mentioned is your favorite. Okay. okay. If you had to choose. Okay. So I'm going to start with Whitney or Mariah. Oh gosh, depends on the time, but I think overall I'm going to say Whitney. All right. Brian Adams or Bruce Springsteen? Ooh, Brian to me. Brian Adams. Yeah. <laughs> Blink-182 or Green Day? Mmm. Mmm. I like Blink. I'm going to give mm -hmm. the edge to Blink there. Nirvana or Pearl Jam? Uh, ooh, wow. Uh, I actually like Pearl Jam's music better, so I'm going to go with Pearl Jam. Okay. Brittany or Christina? And timing is everything on that. Uh, <laughs> I used to, I used to always pick Christina, so I'm gonna say Christina. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Thank you for playing my uh, my little I game love there. It. And I uh... love it. oh, and real quick, <laughs> I just want to let you know uh, because of your show here, what I've done is I started a SoundCloud page for slow motion. So I just oh, put up a song, just one song right now, and over the next, you know every couple of weeks or so, I'll probably add a new slow motion song because I know some of my fans are curious about that and they've always wanted to hear what this group sounded like. So I've got a song up there. Um, you know, it's called, you just search slow motion. Uh, Believe in me, I guess, is the song I put up there. I wrote that song when I was 19, I think. And um, Wonderful. yeah, it's a beautiful song. So hopefully people will go check that out. And it's a free download. So is it okay if I share a clip of it on the show too? Please, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'd like to share your new music as well, like yes. your newer music. Yes. We'll, put, we'll sprinkle some clips into the show and we'll make it nice. Perfect. It'll be good. Absolutely. Yeah.
After these messages, we'll be right back. Analog Brewing, winner of three awards at the 2020 Alberta Beer Awards, is a proud sponsor of the Dope Nostalgia podcast. Analog Brewing is now offering delivery within the city of Edmonton with no delivery fee on orders over 40 bucks. Go to analogbrewing.ca slash shop. That's www.analogbrewing.ca forward slash shop and place your order today. When placing an order, you could also pay it forward and take part in their Nurse a Pint program and prepay for a pint for a nurse. Mention this podcast in the order comments so they know we sent you. Analog Brewing, taking beer to the next level. Yo, video game dudes, talk to me! This is Game Genie from Comerica, the awesome video game enhancer for your Nintendo Entertainment System. Attach it to most of your video games. Double Dragon 3 or Super Mario Bros. 3. You can go to any level, live forever, jump higher, make your own effects, and get radical firepower. Go to any level, jump higher, stay bigger, live forever. Game Genie, the video game enhancer from Comerica. And now, this is fucking stupid with Naomi, Kendra, Charity, Mike, and Colin. This is fucking stupid is fucking stupid. It's a stupid game we play where you have to guess the hot song of the 90s or a super obscure song of the 90s. Our friends have no idea what I'm going to throw at them. Why don't you come play along with us? Next song. I'm going to, if you don't get this artist on the first try... I will play a backup song by the same artist. It is called Got to Get It. That's five points. <laughs> I feel like this is by Love Inc. It is not Love Inc. Okay. But this group also had another big hit that I was going to play that goes like this. Oh, oh God. You're not going to get points for the song on this because you already got your song points. But if you can name the artist after this. song it's Mr. Bane. Um I can't think of the name. You do not have it? Do you no. give up? I can't figure it out. No. I know beats. Culture oh, damn it. Culture beat, ladies and gentlemen. Culture beat. All right, time for our next song. Kiki Peniston, finally. All oh, 10 points go to charity. <laughs> she's catching up to Kendra. One, she's five points behind Kendra now. Now this one. This next one's going to be a little bit more difficult, okay? But if you get this, I'll give you some licorice or something. 
duel. No. I could guess though. Is that Janet Rosella. Jackson? No. Sorry, Mike, what'd you say? Rosella. Nope. Now, have you heard it before? I don't know if Kendra would have heard it before. Kendra's only at a disadvantage because she's younger and had had less time to hear all the tunes. Karaoke one night when I was with you. Is the it? Is it called? Karaoke. Keep on turning. No, no. The song is called "The World Just Keeps on Turning," and the uh, artist is Candy in the Backbeat. Oh, yeah. who were they? Were a Canadian pop group. Uh, yeah. You know this is fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations! You said the lucky uh, phrase where you're, you're going to get <laughs> zero you can't points that on television. You get slimed down. You got slimed <laughs> Okay, guys, next one. Uh, oh, this is like a remix. Almost. You guys can tell I listen to a lot of music. Excuse me, that was very rude. That's the analog breweries. Fire flower, hot pepper, have a my burp. This is slightly different than the original because I can tell it's a remix. Is that Berlin? guesses da, da, dee, da, 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 da. <laughs> i don't know the name of the no. song is called gypsy woman and the artist is crystal waters she's the same person who sang 100 percent pure love yes i knew i recognized the voice yes and this was the single that came out before that one gotcha Thank you so much to my special guest, Roger Ortega, on the show today. You can check out his website at rogerortega.com, and all of his social media links are on there. Go and check out his Instagram, especially, because he's always playing that really fun game. Next week is so special. I cannot wait. Okay, next week's episode is featuring Naughty by Nature. Vin Rock from Naughty by Nature joins me on the show to do an interview, and what a great guest. So, Check it out next week, guys. We'll see you then. Bye. Social media, yeah, we've got it. Send us an email. Dope Nostalgia Podcast at gmail.com. Twitter, Nostalgia Dope. Or on Insta, Dope underscore Nostalgia. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.